Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene or day by day until the end of time. That's right. And James, I am so excited because let me tell you, this is a clip from my favorite TV show in the MCU. We don't get to cover the man himself, but we are going to be getting to the beginning of the clips, you know, basically of this show yeah. makes me know that it is right around the corner. Because it's the beginning of a tone shift. It truly, truly is. That is a very good point. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, no bits, no frill. We're getting right into it. It's Daredevil season one, episode eight. I'm going to let you some, I'm going to let you in on a little something like right now. I think I said it in episode zero, but I definitely don't remember or can't tell because it's been so long at this point. I'm going to, I'm going to let you in on like a one little itty bitty secret. And that is that Spider-Man is my number one. There's a, you know, there's a sizable gap. And then my next, my number two though, has always been and forever will be Daredevil. And then everyone else, my number three and everything like that, there is another large gap before I get to hmm. my number three and beyond. Those two have a chokehold on my life. You can't quite see it, James, but right behind me, that's Spider-Man. Yeah. That piece of art. And then that's Daredevil. Cool. To me, they look like you pointed to two different parts of the blackness that I can't see behind you, but you I You can't trust- see the, the, the white panels with, with little bodies? Okay. Here, just in case. I know this is an oh, audio Oh, now format. I can. Yep. There you go. Spider-Man? Yep. Daredevil. Fun. Anyway, uh, let's get right into it, though, like I said. <clears throat> Here is, uh, oh, I told you the, the season and the episode. Did not tell you the time clip, though. It is starting at 11 minutes and 22 seconds and ending at 14 minutes and 35 seconds. I almost said 40. Mm. Do you see me pull that back real quick? Mm-hmm. Anyway, here we go. We see the kids of New York playing on the sidewalks and in the streets of the intersection of Harriet Lane and West Clarkstown Road. Hopscotch, basketball, and 1973 baseball reference. Kids out in the street being regular day George Thomas, the franchise Seavers, and Rusty Staubs. We hear Brown Sugar by the Rolling Stones, which came out in 1971, by the way, right. uh, playing over the scene and then cut to the radio in the Fisk residence where a young Wilson is not playing, but instead is helping make signs for his father's local district election campaign. There's a debate in the living room about the music being too loud, but Wilson, of course, is always trying to impress his father and trying to stay on his good side. So he says that he likes it and agrees with his father blindly on all things. His father warns him to stay clear of the quiet ones. Those are the pricks who are always up to something. The good favor immediately ends as Wilson is cuts cutting a board and he cuts it too short. He offers up a sorry and his old man says, sorry, what? Wilson lets out a quick sir. The tonal shift and the whiplash in this scene is wild. His father teaches him another lesson. Respect. You gotta give it if you want it. On the couch, his mother is trying to balance all of their past due bills. Bill Fisk holds up one of the signs, the campaign signs rather, with his face on it. See that? That's our ticket. Once you get on the city council, everybody wants to put a little something in your pocket. Bill Fisk tells the story of Mr. Flores from up the street, who got on the city council and a year later had a whole house. He takes a swig of his beer. This city, it's everything. 
All you got to do is put your mind to it and make it happen. He then asks Wilson if he wants to try the beer. His mother says that he doesn't. The two of them, of course, argue about it, and Wilson is conflicted as Bill puts the bottle in his hand and tells him to go on. Wilson begins to look to his mother, but gets a very hard, what are you looking at her for? So, Wilson takes a big sip and then spits it all out. The two parents argue about this choice. The dad says it's funny. Marlene makes a comment and, of of course, makes the mistake of asking how they're even going to pay for all this. Bill steps up to her and quietly discusses that it's covered. He took out a loan with Rigoletto. She seems very upset by this news. Rigoletto? Who's that? Wilson asks. Bill tells him that it's nobody and to forget it. He doubles down and says that this is their ticket, it's an investment, and when he makes it to the council, it'll all be covered. She does not agree and says, I don't know about all this. You don't know about nothing! Again, he was, he's been very quiet and then suddenly he is just shouting in her face. You gotta learn to take risks. You want something out of life, you gotta put yourself out there. Sadly, Wilson parrots this with a, you gotta get out there, mom. And Bill mocks Marlene. He looks sad when he sees his mother's reaction to all of this. And then Bill picks up the hammer and starts hitting a nail above his head on a sign. And that's the scene. Woof, 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 woof. James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thoughts? Um, Risk rhymes with Fisk. Mm-hmm. Um, bills and Bills. Can you mm-hmm. pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone bills? And they're in New York, so of course, Buffalo Bills. What's uh-huh. up? I, I suppose to some lesser degree. Um, uh, I think that I really like, and something that I don't do in my own sort of conceptualizing of time, I like a 1971 song playing in 1973. Mm-hmm. I think that it's more realistic to what the actual experience of being in 1973 would be. You wouldn't hear just like all the hits from this year, like you'd hear. Right. Cause like definitely big songs stay popular for right. a while. You right. know what I mean? It's like, you know, a good example of this to me would be, you know, um, any of the songs that you personally have heard, like, for example, like on the radio and let's say like the 2010s, right? There were songs that you were constantly just like, I cannot escape this song. And it's because for years it was on the radio, it was played in stores, in the, yep. their playlists, it would be in movies. You know, a song like Katy Perry's Fireworks or whatever, for uh-huh. example, was around what feels like five years. It was probably two, maybe three. Right. But it feels like f- five or more. The, the songs that that uh, I have, like, reflex reactions to, like Matchbox mm-hmm. 20's 3 a.m., where there was oh, a time God, in 1997, six or seven, where it was on the radio so much, I was like, if I hear this song another one more goddamn time, I'm going to absolutely blow up. It's and, hilarious because I also had that experience, but I actually loved it. <laughs> so I like it now, but it's a weird thing because I'm like, oh my God, I can't hear it anymore back in 97. Now I'm mm-hmm. like, I remember when I didn't want to hear that again. Now it's nice to hear and I as, no, fully agree. As I mean, push and long day and real world, I like those all better than three AM. But as always, when Matchbox Twenty comes up, I do have to say that yeah. the first half of yourself or someone likes 
or yourself or someone like you is perfect and the second half also exists i guess <laughs> um what is the song mm. hang on there's a song not matchbox 20 hang on, i am moving past that a little bit because i'm okay. just thinking about no, my okay. radio era yeah. you know the song that was radio like era, era. hang on it was a female singer okay unwritten by natasha beddingfield and they were God, I was I had it in my head, and all of a sudden I'm fully blanking on it. It's about getting in a car. I uh-huh. think like driving to the club or something like that, and it's like, uh-huh. holy shit! There's a song in particular. Is that it "Jumpin' Jumpin'" by Destiny's Child? No, is it? It's only one singer. Okay. Okay. When is I'm it? I'm forgetting. I it's like from the late '90s, early 2000s, somewhere in that time period, because that would have been during my. I'm listening to the radio often. Hmm. Now, I ain't gonna lie to you. The boys done and messed up. They went off on a tangent and just derailed the entire show. Let's get back on track, shall we? Tangents. Uh, anyway, this is a long roundabout way of saying I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Brown Sugar's a weird, weird song. It's an interesting choice, I feel like, for this. I think it sets the scene perfectly in the way that it, it always will. Right. It's a, the subject matter is. Mm, right. No, but what I, what I, what I think like the, let me try this again, going back to like what you were saying about like setting the scene here though, is so fascinating because it is such a, a song that I feel like you wouldn't really be playing in front of your Wilson Fisk, right? Your son necessarily. Um, Oh, I don't know. Maybe hmm. not. I just, I feel like, I feel like maybe it's, I don't know how old, how old is he actually in this clip? Uh, 12 is know. what, is what we're going to talk about in a, in a couple of episodes. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I guess he could maybe hang with sort of like adult topics kind my, of thing, uh, but like. My, my uncle, um, when this was a song that was on the radio, uh, I remember I have a specific memory of him watching his car and singing and dancing along to, uh, right said Fred's I'm too sexy. And I would have probably said that that was not an appropriate song for me to be listening to when I was, what, nine or something. Um, I think that it's, it's like, I, I was actually surprised that you said that because it sort of feels like Bill Fisk would be like, hey, I can listen to what he wants. You know, you know, he's he's fine. He's a he's growing up. It's right. Fun. And that's that's definitely yeah. what this I mean, because yeah. that's what the whole thing. I mean, listen. I think what they do with the scenes between his parents are brilliant because it is very much the internal struggle of Wilson Fisk, really, I think, um, at all times, the between the soft side or the hard side. Right. And, you know, even though they don't get to the topic, right, they kind of even – they slightly tease towards it, right? I mean, like, you know, it feels like it's that thing of the mom complaining about the volume I don't think is really necessarily about the volume. Right. But, like, she can't bring up the topic matter because, right. again, of how he reacts to things. So it's more of just, like, maybe if I just say, can you turn it down a little bit, maybe that won't cause a fight. But, of course, it's always a fight for him. Right. And, you know, the way that he, you know, is like, oh, but it's a good song. And Wilson being like, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I like it. Yeah. And he's like, because you got good taste. And he's like, huh, yeah. And he kind of looks to his mom and be like, I have good taste. <clears throat> I mean, no, you know, you're right, Mom. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. And, like, just the way he... 
he wants both of their approval. Right. And like it's it's tragic because I think that like yeah. the truth of this matter, and it's just, it's a thing that we see, I think, in a lot of properties. And we've talked about it a little bit recently about like, you know, Disney films really covering generational trauma in this mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. specifically about like male figures, I think, often. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes even mothers and stuff. But still, like this like macho man, tough guy, whatever, right? You know, and then the thing is, he knows that he has his mother's approval. He knows that his mother loves him, whether or not he agrees with his father or not. Right. I think I just said the same thing like three times because I whether or not or not, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Whether he agrees with his mom or his dad, like he knows that his mom is still going to love him. Right. Still approve of him. But like he wants her to be happy as well. But like right. at the same time, his father's approval is hard to come by. Right. And even when you get it, he is so hot and cold. Yeah. To, to do another Katie radio Perry. reference. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's so funny that we both immediately. Uh, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I just think like it's it's such a tragic little scene to watch him basically be. He is the baby between the two women at King Solomon right now. Oh yeah, that is a you know. Yep. That that's certainly a reference. Is, I mean, it is it is it's one of those things where I was like, I think I oh no 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 I, I didn't okay I, just okay let just like curiosity where did you think I was gonna go? With I it? thought you were gonna like he's the baby being split between the two parents like just like oh, okay a well, more yeah, of a fair. more of a depiction yeah. of the literal thing that's going on. In, it's and then that, two you said two women and I was like the mm-hmm. okay go on. It's what? that two. So it's that picture from the nineteen nineties. Of the divorce settlement where the two people are on the floor separating out the beanie, beanie babies. babies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wilson Beanie uh, Baby Fisk. He's like, please don't call me that. He's like, please. Nobody has called me that since the 90s. I want to take like, the name of my favorite Woody Harrelson movie. Um, beanie Baby? King. There was a Beanie Baby movie? I mean, I mean fuck, you know I'm exactly. sure. I'm sure there was. Um, actually, the making of movies uh, of the toys in that regard, didn't really happen for Beanie Babies. Um, I just realized I accidentally made a combination of two stories that rules. He's the Beanie Baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Sorry. I thought I that's sort of what you were going with. It was like, that. I'm baby sort of deal. Um, <laughs> I'm baby. I'm baby. Gotta love me. Yeah, not the mama. Not the hammer. Because um, he does... Yeah, anyway. <clears throat> uh, I think that it, this is sort of... This is what happens... When you want to be the clown to appease both your parents and keep the peace, you can see he's like, Mom, just agree with him. Just agree mm-hmm. with him and he'll whatever. Um, the next step is you start making jokes. You start bringing attention onto yourself, whatever. But this is what happens when you don't have that instinct and that timing and that charm where he's like, I'm trying to meet you where you are. I'm trying to play both sides, whatever. But he isn't, he doesn't have that particular skill yet. He will develop that, literally that skill of playing people against, like, not against each other, but like appeasing multiple different interests eventually. But like, can I, can I give a small counterpart to that? Counterpoint? Like, or counterpoint, I mean, so yeah. it was my, yeah, sorry. I don't know why I said counterpart. I mean, you could, if counterpart, like, yeah, something to tack on to agree with me. Yeah, absolutely. So, I I am I am mostly in agreement with you. Okay. What I actually think is kind of happening here really truly is I think he does have that skill. 
Interesting. But what I think it is, is I think what's holding him back is fear. Yeah. I think he has that ability, most likely with other people or what have you, right? Like, I think that that, uh, part of a little bit that, like, to some extent does kind of come from his mom because, like, obviously in the conversation between the two of them, she is sort of at ends with him. But even she, like, she does fight against him, but she does also sometimes try to appease him and to just sort of let things go. Again, probably also out of fear. But I think that that's what it is. Like, this is, he does learn lessons from his father. Right. Like his whole thing about like, yeah, you have to learn. Yeah. You have to take risks, you know, these sorts of things. Like he talks about these things, but I think really what it comes down to is you can see the brief moments where the confidence is there and he starts to get out there. But then it's the fear of how his father reacts to things that I think, I think pulls him, I think literally has him like pulling on the reins a little bit. Yeah. So it's like, I think his judgment and his timing is there, but he's, it's not coming out in time you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah it's like you can see it up here but it doesn't translate to like his physicality basically because there is this extra factor of like oh ooh, but really uh, mm, there's go for it oh there's shit a, i think i think a prime example of what you're talking about is when he's like yeah mom you gotta put yourself out there what he's going for is bill fisk saying yeah that's right son good job Instead, Bill Fisk is like, see, the kid's smarter than you, which is kind of an insult to both Marlene and Wilson simultaneously. Um, he's like, wait, no, 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 no. I wasn't trying to give you fodder to, to, right, to like, attack, my attack mom. So I think I was... what we'll see in, a, in the future with D'Onofrio, spoiler, act, casting spoiler, um, is a hesitance, oh, like a, a social hesitance that I think you see on its way out here where he's learning. I know what I'm supposed to do, but sometimes I, I don't think before I speak and see all the consequences of what I'm going to say. Which is so funny because I feel like he also in, in the same scene, he also does the full opposite side of that. And again, I I think that's again, the, the factor of fear, Yeah, which is also great because like, the daredevil is known as the man without fear. Interesting. Right? But when you think about it, Wilson Fisk also is kind of a man without fear. Or I I think that he, he's not he, without fear. I think that he He creates it, really. He, well he is, he yeah, he's he basically is like I, think he is I grew up with it and now I know that in order to to to, to lead or rule right. you have to instill fear. Right. Well, sorry. To be specific, when I say without fear, sure. meaning like without, like, like with rec- kind of like reckless abandon, like a literally a daredevil, right? Right. But like, it's the it's the same concept. Like, I don't believe that he really has fear when he grows up. I think he's the personification or avatar of fear. Yeah, which is that's why definitely. Daredevil is is right. You know, they're against, and each that's other. yeah, why they are. Yeah. I think it's it's more of like a matter of um, the, sort of like the way that I'm seeing is it's almost like it's the same coin, but opposite ends of it, right? Like right. where it's like they're both without fear. It's just like in the one in in the wrong way, one yeah, in a better way. I think is maybe mm-hmm. a good way of saying that because I think there is something to be said about either side of those arguments, mm-hmm. but we'll get to those later. But like I just think that like you know. In terms of all of this, like Wilson Fisk and like the lessons that he learns, both good and bad in his childhood, and how they affect him, are 
pretty intriguing to me. Yep, I think absolutely. Hey, without so, fear, Wilson Fisk, WF. Yeah, that's a, okay. It's the, good. The initials are the same. I feel you. No, yeah, I got you. Um. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's all that I basically want to say, other than a, a fairly, a fairly good sized uh, Avengers ensemble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know we got a lot to cover here, yeah. so let's let's kick into it. Avengers Ensemble. Let's do it. So this is um, Daredevil, uh, season one, episode eight. It's called Shadows in the Glass. It aired on April tenth, twenty fifteen. I don't remember. Netflix was is like a whoomp. So all of season one aired on April 10th, 2015, right? Is that what I recall? Yeah. So uh, this episode was directed by Steven Sergic. Uh, this is the episode of The Stevens, as you'll see in a sec. Um, he uh, directed three episodes of The Witcher, four episodes of Umbrella Academy, three episodes of the 2018 Lost in Space, three episodes of Jessica Jones, three episodes of The Gifted, one episode of Runaways, three other episodes of Daredevil, two episodes of Iron Fist, two episodes of Luke Cage, one episode of The Punisher, one episode of The Defenders, one episode of Bates Motel, one episode of The Flash, one episode of Arrow, ten episodes of Burn Notice, six episodes of Warehouse 13, one episode of No Ordinary Family, seven episodes of Psych, one episode of Eureka, two episodes of Monk, one episode of The X-Files, 25 episodes of Kids in the Hall, and... He directed Wayne's World 2. Yeah. Just the plain, the movie Wayne's World 2 was directed by this guy. Which is, it feels random and that weird. That is and, wild. And, yeah. That. <laughs> it, it feels made up. Like, one of these things is a lie. Which one? It's that one. You know those things where, you know, okay, you remember the TikTok that you sent me? I think it was today. Yep. About John. What the fuck is that guy's name? I have my freaks and geeks box set is right behind me, and I can't. What, reach it. Whatever. Listen, listener, you know the guy. The guy who's the the main character of Freaks and Geeks, but yeah. also the guy that wrote Spider Man Homecoming yeah. is the point. Which again, that's what exactly what we're getting at. Like one to one, like that yeah. is not a ref. I feel like that you think yeah. would happen. And he's and also in yeah. the middle of those he's in bones. Yes, that's for sure. That's and the, you know, guess what? He literally is like, "Hey, kill me off, so I can go do this other thing, so I can come home." Hmm? Oh, yeah, um, pretty much. Uh, the episode was written by Stephen S. Denight, or Stephen S. Denight. Um, he, he is the vengeance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, he wrote two other episodes of Daredevil: uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. One episode, really? oh, yeah, cool. The Wayne's World Sick. two of the Pacific Rim series. <laughs> <laughs> one episode of Dollhouse. That's, that's good, James. You should be proud of that one. <laughs> yeah, thanks. One episode of Dollhouse. Fifteen episodes of Smallville. Twelve, twelve episodes of Angel. And of course, if he direct, if he wrote any episodes of Angel, that means he also wrote Buffy, and twenty four episodes of Buffy. So, uh, those are the directors and writers, both named Stephen, spelled differently. Um, we can only imagine that Stephen S. Denight's middle name is Stephen, spelled the other way. Stephen, Stephen Denight. Um, this is the Stephen of... The- All right. Bill Fisk is played by... <laughs> Bill Fisk is I, played... I had to physically cough and pull away from everything. 
to laugh at that. Thank you. Very good. Um, Bill Fisk is played by Dominic Lombardazzi. Um, a, he was in one episode of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He was in The Irishman, which we have talked about before, but That's not true. in this century. No. Yes, in this century. Yes. In the previous episode. Uh, two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> In this very same year. Tonight, yeah. uh, Two episodes of the 2017 MacGyver, 13 episodes of Boardwalk Empire, one episode of 24. uh, He was in the movie Public Enemies. He was in 60 episodes of The Wire, which is a show I'm watching currently, and recognized him from this time, but never before and never the other way. It was a weird, weird experience. But never the other way is a fascinating... I mean, like, I get what you're saying. It's such a funny way of saying that. Yeah, like I, I wasn't like, oh, wow, Herc is Bill Fisk. But I was definitely like, well, Bill yeah. Fisk is Herc. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the other, you know, I just explained the yeah. thing that I already said. Uh, he was in the 2006 movie Miami Vice, the 2003 movie version of SWAT. He was uh, in Phone Booth, so he often works with Colin Farrell. Um, two episodes of Oz, and I'm going to send you a uh, Facebook Messenger his debut was in the movie A Bronx Tale. <laughs> Whoa, he is that's the sick. behaired person on the right. Oh, okay. here it is. Here. Pating. Pating. No way. That that's wild. <laughs> so I would not, I literally would not have recognized yeah, him. Me neither. But the other way I, I would have. I was literally going, I was literally going, man, who could he possibly have been? This uh, Herc is played, and Bill Fisk is played by Chaz Palantiri. Um huh, That's a that's an excellent Bill uh, Bronx Tale joke. Um, <laughs> so topical uh, is for it's sure. to- topical to the 1993 movie A Bronx Tale. Um, so uh, Marlene Fisk is played by Angela Reed. Nothing super nerdy, but she has been three separate characters on Law and Order, Law and Order Criminal Intent, and Law and, o- Law and Order SVU. I wrote out criminal intent because I wasn't sure that I would be able to remember that CI stood for criminal intent. Uh, and young, young Wilson. I get that. I would have also, <laughs> if I had written down law and order CI, I, I would have gotten there and gone. Confidential informant, which actually I would much prefer to watch. Criminal. Hey, you know what? You know who else was in criminal intent? Hmm. D'Onofrio. Oh my God. You're right. Yes, he was. <laughs> Literally, I was like, you know what's funny? You know, I didn't. Oh, right, D'Onofrio. You know, I didn't have that at the forefront of my mind as well. What? Again, you want to talk about people who look so drastically different, hair or not? Vincent D'Onofrio is so transformative. We're not. He's not here yet, so I don't want to get too far into it. But I will say, saw he retweeted a link like yesterday, like the day before we recorded this, which is why I'm going to bring it up now, uh, of someone talking about. Ranking Wilson, not Wilson Fisk. I'm sorry, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio appearances in movies and TV. Yeah, in in order of like least sexy, I think, to most sexy. But it's in in terms of like, but it gets more problematic as it goes, kind of thing. Uh huh. Which I think is very funny. So like, some of them are like, they're like, it's not necessarily conventionally attractive, but it's it's sexy because of this. Like, and so like, he thought it was hilarious, and he was like, like this is amazing. Like the guy from uh, like, like Sugar Water. Like yeah. you know, Sugar Water is in there yeah, yeah so it's like i want to see if i can find that real quick but anyway uh yeah so anyway keep, keep going i'm gonna just find um, it just to send you hold on his name is not earl it's i said Merle. i don't know uh the way she says his name is funny uh also he was in full metal jacket um 
D'Onofrio or this guy? D'Onofrio. He's the guy okay. that shoots himself in yeah. Full Metal yeah. Jacket. Yeah, yeah. Um, young Wilson Fisk, played by Cole Jensen uh, and Dominic Lombard Dotsy, are neither of them in Full Metal Jacket. Um, Cole Jensen, because he is a, uh, a young boy. Um, uh, he was in one episode of the TV show School of Rock, one episode of Comedy Bang Bang, four episodes of The Defenders, the 2010 law show with Jerry O'Connell and Jim Belushi, and he debuted in the uh, Ricky Gervais movie The Invention of Lying, which I'm not the biggest fan of Ricky Gervais. However, Mm -hmm. The Invention of Lying is one of the best religious allegories I've ever watched in my life. I I will admit, it is a pretty good yeah, it's okay. it's one of those things. There's a there's a NoFX song called "Happy Guy," "Happy Man," "Happy Guy" uh-huh. uh, on Punkin' Drublick that is the most even-handed look at someone who is religious. It's basically yeah. like it ends like, "Don't try and judge him; he's just a man." Yes, and Don't I'm like, "Try and judge him; he's just a man." Yeah, yeah, it's such a and good that, ending. That song is basically like he's doing he's doing his best with what he understands of of religion, right? And I'm like. Fat Mike, what what is this like really even handed look at at religion? The invention of lying is like that. It's like I, it comes from a place of love, but it is ultimately lying. But it, what I think is interesting is that both of them, in this regard, I think they're both so what's the word for it? Like so anti of these things, really, yeah. or like or so they they do a very good job of being so like showy about like showing off about like effectively like knowing better maybe is the way of wording that i'm not sure i might have to think about that wording or like how to how to describe that but i almost feel like they've done so much deep diving on these topics that they actually do know how to come off in like a middle ground in a genuine way yeah uh and like i think that that's why it makes sense because it's like it i think that if you really don't know anything about a, a person or whatever, it's hard to come off in a middle ground because it's yeah. like you. It's any kind of middle ground just comes from being like. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, we call that the James stance. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, just I think that it's it's an impressive way of saying like, listen, I know that normally I'm going on all cylinders. Yeah, but what I can say is that there are probably some people in the middle in this regard, yeah. and like they they give a fair shakeout even if it's just once to a group of people. Yeah. And I think that it's like, yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah. A little, little light applause. That's it. That's all that I have for Avengers ensemble. So shall I, <laughs> shall I run for the city council of getting us out of here? Do I have yeah, you? Yeah. Get Get us out of this, this shitty apartment. Get us <laughs> Hey, James, get us a house. Oh, Go get us a house, this James. is a, suddenly a lot of pressure. Um, so I'm going to go. I got to go out for cigarettes. <laughs> hey, one last note, James. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know we don't really do like sign out stuff necessarily anymore, but I will say we are on the timeline council. So if you guys want to put a little something in our pockets, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash the scavengers network. Okay. Also, um, this, uh, this scene today mm-hmm. is season three of the wire. It, if you want to watch this scene in an mm. expanded version, it's literally the season of the wire that I'm currently watching. If you're on the city council, they'll put stuff in your pockets. But a whole season. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, that's going to do it for us for today. I'm very excited that we're getting into Daredevil. Uh, we got some more tone changes coming from the Netflix. Uh, <laughs> sit, uh, what, what do they call Street? 
stories. Like, like what's like it? the street street level here? Yeah, street level here. Yeah. That's what I was like. Everything that I say sounds like it's a derogatory thing. The street level it's, stories, it's, yeah. The Defender Saga is yeah. um, kind of the like the DC treatment of heroes. Um, and if I agree with that, sorry, I started a sentence, then it sounded like I was saying a different sentence. I agree with that. Uh, if we're talking favorite Marvel shows, yeah, for me, Jessica Jones is really hard to 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 beat in terms Listen, of Jessica Jones is very good. Yeah, I just think. I think part of the other issue is that we got so much more time with Daredevil. For sure. I, I'd say overall Daredevil is a stronger show, which is funny because Jessica Jones is very strong. Yeah. No, but I also think that we, because of Daredevil A also being first, we got so many introductions and key yes. things yes. through Daredevil, which also I think makes it overall stronger. Right, right. Um, And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. There's... It's it's interesting. I think the other thing is that like there's a lot of characters that I'm just sort of like eh, about in Jessica Jones. Sure. Maybe like half of the people. I, maybe, I can you know? I can I can agree with that. Whereas like almost everyone that you like really spend time with in Daredevil, you're kind of like, oh, okay. Well, I yeah, hope they censor like, her nipple. Um. <laughs> so that's gonna. <laughs> I mean, he can't see it. He can sense it though. Um, he can smell it. Let weird. Me, this I, you a know, weird we place. made this joke before, but I've, we've definitely said, let me hear those nibbles, girls, or something that we've said. <laughs> yeah, so actually coming up in the, in the 90s, uh, we're going to have a bunch of uh, sort of origin story stuff from these Netflix shows, and I think we can really get into it then. Uh, that's going to do it for us for today. Uh, join us very soon for Bill Fisk, Father of the Year. Uh, <laughs> as always, I'm James Anderson. And I'm Colin Parker. Got to put Excelsior out there, Colin. Oh, that's good. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven, community-focused, treasured content.